Happy Wednesday, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Ferrari and Smith podcast. Bowl season is underway, and the Sun Belt is off to a strong start. Troy, Southern Miss, and Marshall have all secured bowl wins to bring the conference's overall record to 3-0. In today's episode, we'll preview the fifth Sun Belt Bowl when we talk about Friday's Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl, which will take place in Shreveport, Louisiana. This matchup will feature the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns taking on the Houston Cougars in the first of two bowl matchups that feature Sunbelt and American Athletic representatives. Caden, we have a six-win Louisiana team that's a little bit banged up offensively and a seven-win Houston squad led by an electric offense. It's a Sunbelt versus AAC matchup. What has you most excited for this matchup? Yeah, my excitement for this one, Noah, I talked about it a little bit when we were previewing all these bowls. It really comes from the pedigree of both of these teams. If this teams would have played against each other last year, it's a 12-2 and two Houston team versus a 13-1 and one Louisiana team. These are both teams that have that championship pedigree, are used to showing up and playing bigs in bowl games, and they just didn't have the season that neither of them expected to have. So I'm really excited to watch both of these squads who have a lot of talent across the board, a lot of, a lot of that pedigree still within their program, really compete on a huge stage and kind of Prove to the world that this was a fluke season and really show what they're capable of and put it on display in this game here. Hey, there's nothing like one final game of the year to to prove that you underperform some expectations or overperform some expectations. Uh, we'll certainly see that in this game. Okay, let's talk about this Independence Bowl. It's going to take place on Friday, December 23rd at 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Uh, Houston right now comes in a seven-point favorite over under sits at 57, which screams we'll probably see some points uh, scored, or at least people think we'll see points scored in this game. Uh, some notes on the bowl. Louisiana is seeking their fourth consecutive bowl win. They've been in five consecutive bowls. Houston will be making their 30th bowl appearance, uh, 15 of the last 18 seasons. Uh, and Caden, this was interesting. When you look at Houston, since 2005, they actually have the most bowl appearances of any college team in the state of Texas. Uh, they've been very good uh, for many years. Uh, This is actually a really old rivalry game, too. There's 10 prior meetings, but this will actually be the first since 2006. Caden, thought you'd find this interesting. This game dates all the way back to 1946, and these two teams, they're going to line up in the 46th Annual Independence Bowl. Uh, Caden, we've got to start and talk about the quarterback situations. Louisiana's is a little bit of a mess. Ben Wooldridge, uh, you know, quite frankly, it's been a little bit of a mess all year at times. You had the quarterback battle early on. Wooldridge got the job. Fields gets it back after Wooldridge goes down with injury. Um, He's made seven appearances this year, just 10 touchdowns, four interceptions, thrown for just under 1,000 yards. And then on the other side, Caden, and this is the big draw of this game, Clayton Toon thrown for nearly 4,000 yards, 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions this year, 20 touchdowns in his last five games, including seven versus uh, SMU needs two touchdowns to become the AAC single season record holder. And just one touchdown. I thought this was interesting behind Holden Ehlers, who we'll talk to on an episode coming up and Desmond Ritter for the most career touchdowns responsible for in American athletic conference history. I'm really excited to see tune in this game. Yeah, Clayton Toon's a phenomenal player. I mean, he's been an elite quarterback at the group of five level for a couple of years now. And if you just cut the tape on it, it speaks for itself for him. I mean, he's a great pocket presence guy. He can move around and make things happen with his legs. He's not afraid to stand in that pocket either. If he's going to take a hit or take a shot, he's not afraid to make those throws off of his back foot with pressure in his face and deliver. He has great deep ball accuracy. And on top of that, you mentioned all those stats and all those great things he's done. He's his team's leading rusher. This man can do it with his legs too. He has 491 yards on the ground this season, five touchdowns on the ground. He's a very willing and capable runner, too, but he wants to hurt you with his arm. If his team gets down bad and they're in a third and medium scenario, they might 
do a designed run for him, but not a ton of scrambling from this guy. He's really going to extend plays and make them with his arm more than his legs. But you can see from the stats, when push comes to shove, this guy can make some stuff happen with his legs. And he's an extremely dangerous quarterback and probably one of the more dangerous quarterbacks that this Louisiana team has seen all year. Thankfully, they're a little bit fresh off of playing a quarterback very similar in Jordan Travis, who can do some amazing stuff too. So Really excited for him matched up with his Louisiana defense that we've been regarding pretty highly all season. And then on the other side, you talk about it. It's Louisiana offense. It's been a revolving door at quarterback a little bit all season. It looks like they found their guy midseason in Ben Woldridge, a guy who I thought should have been one of the more earlier day one starters of this team. But then he gets hurt, put Chandler Fields back in the line, who started to, at the beginning of the season. And I think the biggest thing for him is really going to be how much help he gets from a supporting cast. At the beginning of the season, when Ben Woldridge was at the helm, their offense had a lot of struggles. He had some struggles turning the ball over and not being as efficient as he'd like to be. But a lot of that stemmed from their lack of running game. Chris Smith and those guys in the backfield really didn't get a ton going for that offense in the beginning of the year. And then when you saw Ben Woldridge enter the lineup, they ran the ball a little bit better and their offense as a whole looked a little bit more dynamic. So in Chandler Fields in this one, he needs to take care of the ball. But if he gets help from his running game and his running backs, we could see a very successful day like we saw in their last game against Texas State when they won 41-13. to Obviously, a lot better opponent here against Houston coming up in this bowl game but I think if the receivers help him out the offensive line helps him out and the running back helps you out I think Chandler Fields has proven he can win games and play at a high level for this offense hey let's talk about that running back room because when you look at Louisiana they have three talented running backs led by Chris Smith you've got Terrence Williams Draylon Washington Uh, that trio has combined for six touchdown runs and over 1200 yards of uh, rushing offense this season you mentioned Clayton Toon. I thought that was really interesting. Houston's leading rusher, 491 yards, five touchdowns this year. And then they've got two younger running backs, Stacy Sneed, Brandon Campbell, who've run for nearly 900 yards and nine touchdowns. I do feel like Louisiana has a clear advantage in terms of running back play in this game, and it's going to be something that they have to lean on if they want to win this game against Houston. It definitely is. And I think when you look at playing a team like Houston, who has the tempo on offense, who likes to throw the ball and do that kind of sort of thing on offense, you have to, on your offensive side of the ball, be able to run the ball, control the ball and possess the clock when you're doing any type of scenario in this game, first down, second down, third down, whenever you have an opportunity to run, get some chunk yardage out of those running backs and let the clock keep running and keep the ball out of the hands of a Clayton Toon leading that offense. It's going to be a great thing for you. We talked about it when talking about Chandler Fields. Running back room kind of had a slow start to the season, was not their calling card by any means, which we're very much used to seeing with this Louisiana team historically. But late in the season, they picked some stuff up. Chris Smith started getting some of those plays and some of those runs that you're used to seeing him do in the past. I really love what I've seen out of Draylon Washington, the freshman running back for Louisiana. He had some extended carries in his last games, got a few more touches than he usually gets and definitely made the most of him. This guy averaged seven yards per carry in their last game. So I think if this unit can do well against this Houston rush defense that's not too good, not super great. This defense is definitely the weakness of this team, and we'll talk a little bit more about it later. But I think if they can run the ball effectively, they have a lot better chance in this game. And on the other side of the ball, Houston, they're not coming in this game to ground and pound and run the ball. They're here to throw the ball. They have a couple of good running backs who get a lot of good chunk yardage. I mean, you talk about a guy like Stacy Sneed who's averaging seven yards a pop. That's because they're defense. The, the defenses they play are always so used to defending the pass. They're backed up that then when they do surprise you with a run, usually works out for Houston. So you got to be careful for the legs of Clayton Tune. And then when you're in those passing scenarios constantly as a defense, you might get lulled to sleep a little bit. And that's when you have to be alert for guys like Stacey Sneed, like Brandon Campbell out of the backfield, who will get some carries and touches in this game and make some things happen when given some space. Caden, when you look at the wide receivers in this game, if you like 
bell cow wide receivers, meaning that there is one guy on each side that you're going to throw the ball to a lot. This is a game that you're going to love. You look at Michael Jefferson for Louisiana, 20% of the team's catches have been made by him this year, over 28% of the total yards. And then you look at Nathaniel Delcade, and I know when we were talking before you jumped on this, that this is a wide receiver that you would have not enjoyed covering during your college days. He is responsible for 32% of the catches this year, over 35% of the total yards, 15 touchdown grabs this season. Uh, when you look at Louisiana, as you go a little bit deeper too, this is a team that doesn't have a ton of depth at the wide receiver position, just 20 or, you know, they don't have a single receiver that has more than 25 receptions other than Jefferson. Houston, meanwhile, guys like Matthew Golden, Kishon Carter, Samuel Brown, all have 35-plus catches this year. Uh, I really think Houston has the advantage in the wide receiver room, but Michael Jefferson might have something to say about that. First of all, Noah, I think you should trademark the phrase bell cow wide receiver. I mean, you hear that constantly with running backs historically, but you're the first person, I think, to coin a bell cow wide receiver. When you have a guy like Nathaniel Dell with 100 receptions on the year, 1,000 yards, 15 touchdowns leading the nation, what else is there to call him? They call him Tank Dell, even though he's not a big guy. This dude's standing at 5'10", 165, but he plays big and he plays like a tank. And I told you before the podcast, if I had to build a receiver that old Caden Smith did not want to guard, looking back in the day, it would have been a guy like Dell, who's a skinny guy, 165, hard to even get hands on at the line of scrimmage. And when he gets by you, it's usually a touchdown. So you got to give credit to him for really being, like you said, the bell cow of this team and his offense. And if you just cut the film onto this guy, man, he has a knack of getting in the end zone and getting behind defenses. Anytime they always say if he's even, he's leaving. Well, if this guy has even a step or two in front of you, Clayton Toon's throwing him the ball deep and he's going to get by you and he's going to score. And even in the red zone, he's super effective at getting on that back line in the corners of the end zone. The kid's just a baller. He's a playmaker. He did declare for the draft, but still said he's playing in this game. So I know some of ULL's defensive backs were a little upset about that, but they are going to have to see them and on him on, a, on the other side of the ball. You talk about Michael Jefferson, who's pretty much the complete opposite build and kind of player at a wide receiver standpoint. He's a 6'4", 200-pound guy who's got, got came up huge for this Louisiana team, especially down the stretch, catching 50-50 balls, deep balls across the middle, in the air, in the end zone. has been a great evolution to watch him evolve as a player and really an offense that the receivers are a lot more used to blocking usually compared to passing. And then late in the season, you see this emergence of Jefferson stepping up to the plate and playing big. So I think the wide receiver position is going to be huge in this game. If you look at Nathaniel Dell, it's going to be a very big key for Louisiana's defense to stop him because he has a great game. Every game, he's a very hard guy to stop and their whole receiving core as a unit gets a ton of catches. And that's just going to be an overall challenge and a very much a point of emphasis in this game. And on the other side of the ball for Louisiana, if you're Michael Jefferson, you kind of have to make plays in this game. Your team's probably looking at you to step up big in this game, and I expect him to make some plays because he's simply the biggest skill player playing in this game. He's six foot four, he's 200 pounds. There's no defensive back on Houston team who physically is going to be able to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with him and make some plays. So I think he's going to have a ton of responsibility in this game to make some plays, especially going up against a defense in Houston that's giving up 285 yards in the air per game, the second worst in the American Conference. Hey, I think the biggest question, and we'll, and we'll talk about this later on in this episode, is they're going up against probably the best secondary that they have faced all year long for Louisiana, a team that's top 10 in the country in interceptions. So that could be a big key. We'll talk about that more in a moment. But Caden, you know, quickly on this one, both teams similar offensive line play. They both teams enter this game top six in their respective conferences in sacks against this year. Louisiana allowed 23 sacks. Houston at 21, not much better. Uh, Louisiana is actually going to be starting three underclassmen in this game. Houston's going to start four underclassmen. 
Uh, Houston, though, they've done a nice job down the stretch, allowing just about 1.1 sacks per game over their last seven games. So a couple of young units here that have played pretty well throughout the year. And if you look at Houston, man, their offensive line is ginormous. If you want to see some elite group of five offensive line play, that's probably going to be something you see on Sundays. You shouldn't look further than Houston. You have two all-conference offensive linemen and Patrick Paul and Cam Jordan, two 300-pounders from Houston that are big and nasty. Patrick Paul's a six foot seven guy. If he gets hands on people, it usually goes very well for him. And you talk about them being able to protect Clayton too. And a lot of that is because, like I talked about earlier, he's not running or leaving the pocket or scrambling to throw the ball or to run the ball. He's doing it to throw the ball. So I think you can tell that his offensive line, and Eric McLean touched on this before, when you're blocking for a semi-mobile quarterback, very hard sometimes to figure out where he is, but by the end of the season, it's very clear that Clayton Toon and his offensive line are on the same page. He's stepping up and going into similar areas of the pocket, and their offensive line has been adjusting great. And for Louisiana, they're definitely going to have to step up. They have some young guys who are going to have to step up in this game. And talked about it before, Chandler Fields is going to have to be protected in this game if you want to be successful. He was only sacked one time in his last start against Texas State. That game went well for them. Sacked four times against Florida State, which we kind of expected, but that game didn't go well for them. It's pretty simple in the numbers and the way I'm saying it, but if they protect Chandler Fields, they have a better chance of winning this game, and his comfort, I feel like, is going to be a premium in this game. The more comfortable he is, the better this offense is going to perform and the better this team is going to be in this matchup. Well, let's talk about the guys who will be chasing him in this matchup, and and likewise for Toon. Uh, When you look at the defensive line studs in this game, One big absence will be Houston's top defensive lineman, Derek Parrish, who went down with an injury four games in. Caden, these stats were ridiculous. Through four games this year, he already had five sacks. Four and a half of those came against Texas Tech in a game, but he went down with injuries. Uh, When you look at Houston, four of their top five sacks guys are seniors, so an experienced defensive line. Uh, De'Anthony Jones led the team with seven seven sacks rather, and 12 and a half uh, TFLs this year. Then you switch sides, and this is a very experienced front line for Louisiana. Zion Hill Green, one of the best defensive linemen in Louisiana history. Sonny Hazard, uh, the, that pairing has anchored that defensive line. 11 sacks, 18 TFLs. These are some studs at the defensive line position, and they are going to have their hands full with these offensive lines and ultimately trying to get to the opposing quarterbacks. And it's funny when you look at a guy like DeAnthony Jones on Houston, who's their best defensive lineman, really their best defensive player this season, and Zion Hill Green for Louisiana. They both have similar, same exact stats, which I thought was funny. 12 and a half TFLs and seven sacks on the season for both of those guys. But they both have an opportunity in this one to make a huge impact. You talk about the experience of Houston playing in a bowl game and being a defensive lineman. I've been on teams with some of those guys. They want to end their career on the right note. They want to get a sack in their last game. They want to make some plays. So those guys are going to be very much ready to do that. They're probably going to have some stunts up their sleeve and some different pass rushing wrinkles to give this Louisiana offensive line that's been pretty serviceable all year. They think they've been a great unit that stepped up big, and they're going to need their young guys to step up big for sure in this one. And then when you look the other side of the ball for Louisiana, that front seven, that defensive line, that unit's been so reliable for them all season. In the beginning when they were having those rough times, as an entire team, really, the Louisiana defense was a strong part of what they had going on, no matter win, lose, or draw, what was going on for them in the beginning of the season. And I think a staple of that was that defensive line. When you look at guys like Zion Hill Green, I mean, these guys are very gaps on. I think if you look at a team like Troy and Marshall, that we've talked about a lot in the Sun Belt, this front seven, this defensive line group, they can really stand toe-to-toe with those units as well. Just didn't have as much of the success we've seen, obviously, from teams like Marshall and teams like Troy this season on the offensive side of the ball and overall with their record. But I think this Louisiana group under the radar, especially up front 
all season is one of the most reliable and dependable groups in the Sun Belt. I'm very excited to watch them because they can have a huge impact in this game against an explosive Houston offense. Kane, tell me this as a defender heading into a bowl game. How much of the game plan was different than what we saw during the regular season from teams? How much new was inserted into the game plan for these types of bowl games? I think the big thing when you're a defender going into these bowl games and it's not conference play, you kind of have to treat it like you do your non-conference games. You have to be a little bit more meticulous with your film. You can't watch everything. You can't really watch people that you've played against line up against other people. If I've lined up across from a certain player, I can't see how they fare with another player that I've played already, things of that nature. So you kind of have to come into it with a clean slate and really just key in on the teams that have similar schemes as you. If you're playing an air raid offense, if you're playing a defense that's a similar look that you've seen or they're similar to what you're doing, you're going to want to see both sides of the ball play against similar looks that you have. So that's going to be the big key in this one. And of course, as any bowl game, you kind of have to be head on a swivel mode as a defender, ready for those trick plays. You've seen some of them, some of those in the bowl games pop up, but you know offensive coordinators in those minds, especially if you have some interim situations and some turnover at the coach position, can be a little bit more fun, a little bit more razzle-dazzle in these games. But as a defender, kind of have to come into it a clean slate, kind of look at it as a non-conference game, see on film how teams that run the same style of defense as you have played against these teams and really go from there, be a little bit more disciplined. But if you're a senior, if you're an older guy, you're definitely going to let it loose and let it hang in this game. So definitely excited for the seniors on both sides of the ball, really, and across all the bowl games in these matchups playing in their last football game. Hey, let's talk about the linebackers in this game. And this is a position, Caden, that I really don't feel like either team is super deep in or Maybe I should say they haven't asked a lot of this position this year. You look at Houston, Donovan Mutant, 79 tackles, five TFLs, kind of underwhelming stats for your primary middle linebacker. In my opinion, he's been good in pass coverage this year, five pass breakups. And then on the other side for Louisiana, Jordan Quibido did lead this team with 101 tackles. We, we see a lot of those big tackle numbers in the Sun Belt. Chris Moncrief, another all-conference player at the linebacker role, 67 tackles, five and a half. TFLs and two and a half sacks. But outside of that, there aren't a lot of these massive linebackers in this contest. Now, the scheme of both of these teams doesn't really lean into their linebacker play being a top priority when you're a defense in Houston that's given up over 30 points a game. There really isn't the linebacker play isn't going to save you in those situations. You have to snap after snap play downhill, also defend the pass very well, which they've done a lot better than defend the run this year. And I think when you look at the linebacking position in this game, it's going to be interesting when you look at both sides of the ball. I think if you look at Houston, their linebacker is going to be able to have a really big impact in this game because you look at film, sometimes you see Louisiana throws the ball well, sometimes they run the ball well. And I feel like a lot is going to be on their plate in their hands as far as controlling that aspect of the game. If they can play downhill and stop some guys at the line of scrimmage and make Louisiana be more one-dimensional, not be able to run the ball and see some of those struggles we saw Earlier in the season with Chandler Fields, I think that's going to be something that the linebacking core in this game for Houston is going to be able to do. On the other side of the ball for Louisiana, you talked about those all-conference guys in Jordan Quibido, in Andre Jones. Both of those guys are two downhill guys. Their defensive front does a great job of creating opportunities for them to play downhill, play sideline to sideline and make tackles. But in this game, that's not going to have to be their calling card. They're going to have to play great coverage. They're going to have to do their role in underneath coverage in this game. And even if they bring some pressure, probably have to be in some man coverage situations with some tight ends, with some running backs, and they're going to have to hold up their end of the bargain for their on the, on that for sure. But if you go back to the Georgia Southern game and some other games where they've played some explosive passing attacks, this linebacking core does do a great job of if something is thrown in the flat, if there's nothing available for the quarterback and he has all the time in the world, they're going to come downhill, they're going to tackle it, and they're going to get on the ground. So they're good at limiting explosive plays, and I expect a lot from this Louisiana linebacking core in this game despite the season they had. 
Well, let me give you an area to watch in this game, one for each side. For Houston, Caden, I think this comes down to their play on third down. They've been one of the best third down teams in the country this year. In terms of offense, I think that's going to be a massive key. If you're Louisiana, we still have yet to talk about this secondary, and, and that's looming large over this game. They're one of the top secondaries uh, in the NCAA this year, 15 interceptions. And if Louisiana wants to win this game, Caden, they need to pick off Clayton Toon maybe once, maybe twice in this game. Yeah, the secondary, I think, is going to be a huge key and highlight of this game. It's been a huge key and highlight of this Louisiana team all season, really. It's kind of rare to have your secondary be the calling card, what you're known for as a team. And I think for Louisiana, it's obviously been the run game traditionally. It's been that defense as a whole. But the secondary this year really shine when you look at guys like Trey Amos, like Eric Garr, who's also done great things in the return game as well. And a guy like Braylon Tran, who had a ton of interceptions this year in the conference. But if you look at this secondary in this game, they've been there all year for Louisiana, but now they're going to face their biggest challenge of the season going up against a defensive or offensive aerial attack like this with guys like Nathaniel Dell, like Matthew Golden, like Keyshawn Carter. They're going to be playing receivers that catch the balls with their eyes closed out there. They're used to getting 5, 10, 15 catches in games, getting a ton of targets. So I think if you're a Louisiana secondary in this game, you've had a ton of pressure on you all season. That pressure is just going to be a little bit heightened, a little bit more elevated in this matchup. That spotlight's going to be on those guys. They've been great in man coverage all year. They've been great in zone coverage all year, breaking up passes, keeping everything in front of you, not giving up everything over the top. And if I had any advice for these guys coming into this game is just to keep it all locked in mentally because playing a team that throws a ball this much can get frustrating as a defensive back every single snap you feel like the ball's out quick there's nothing you can do you can feel defenseless sometimes playing against a team but you have to kind of have a short memory if you're a defensive back in general but especially playing a team like this who is going to get their completions they're going to get their passings they're going to convert third downs they're going to do some of those things it's going to be about you mentally as a defensive back doing the best you can to just stop the bleeding not be a superman not have to make a ton of superhero interception plays, pass breakups, but do your job every play and trust the scheme of the defense and everything will be fine. Kane, before we wrap this episode up, I did want to get your thoughts on how big of a game this is for Louisiana. They underperform a little bit this year under head coach Michael Desermo, six and six on the season, but now here at the end of the year, you have a chance to build some positive momentum with a win over a very good Houston team that's going to be transitioning to the Big 12 in years to come. Caden, how big of a game is this for Louisiana in that program's culture? Yeah, not to toot my horn that I anticipated Louisiana not being in the championship going into this season, but I definitely did not anticipate them being a 6-6 six and six ball club. I mean, no one expected Louisiana to drop off this far, and I think in this bowl game, it's really their biggest game of the season. They've played well in their bigger games this season, but I think this one is really going to be the last impression, the last taste in the mouth of that fan base. And that's really what makes these bowl games so important just because it's pretty much the last image and the last thing that your fan base, your culture, everything, even people on the team, it's the last thing they remember. So you want to end it on a high note, especially with a first year head coach. You want to prove that he can win the big games, get a bowl win for him. And I think it's also kind of big because there are playing a brand name like Houston, a household name that's built themselves up in the group of five ranks and Louisiana did that for a little bit as well and I think it's kind of a changing of tide if you look at the Sunbelt Conference if you look across other conferences I really think for both of these teams it's going to be big for them to keep that name recognition in this win and do what they have to do and I think it's also a big time game for Louisiana because they do have the skill set and they do have the personnel to do well in this game they played very well against the Georgia Southern team who runs a very similar offense as far as how frequently they throw the ball they held Georgia Southern in that game 
two for 14 on third down. If they can play well on third down, lean into their good secondary and run the ball and give Chandler Field some help, this is a very winnable game for them. It's the one I'm most worried about out of all of the Sunbelt Conference bowl matchups, but I do think Louisiana has the capability to do it, and it's going to be a true test of do they still have that championship big game winning DNA in them, and I think it's going to be a huge game for them. Hey, Sunbelt 3-0 and right now. They will have another bowl game uh, tomorrow. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens here. Well, that will do it for today's Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl preview episode on the Frary and Smith podcast. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with another bowl preview on Friday where we'll preview the upcoming Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl between Coastal Carolina and East Carolina that will take place on December 27th in Birmingham, Alabama. We want to thank you so much for taking time to listen today. We both really enjoyed this episode of the Frary and Smith podcast and certainly hope you did too. If you did, please consider taking a moment and subscribing to the show on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you'll never miss an episode. Also, if you like today's show, take a moment to tell us what you liked by leaving a quick review on Apple Podcasts or by leaving a five-star rating on Spotify. Finally, if you still haven't, follow the show on Twitter at at Smith for all the latest Sunbelt football news and notes. You won't regret that follow. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>